Kia ora. Good morning. It is really lovely to see you. So stoked that we can be meeting together more than a hundred and we can eat food. Who's happy that we're out of that and say, see you later, level two and anything else. Thank you very much in Jesus' name. <laughs> hey, it's really good to see you. My name is uh, Dre. My wife, Hannah, and I, we lead Cornerstone Church with an awesome group of other people, including Lyndon and Kath Sutherland. Uh, and it's really exciting to, to be here this morning. Hey, we're going to start a new series. Everyone say, new series. Okay, we're doing a new series. This series is First John. Now, I asked some people on Facebook, not everyone's on Facebook, so that's okay. Did anyone get a chance this week to read 1 John chapter 1? I read it, that's all you need to really worry about. <laughs> Great, thank you. Um, so, 1 John chapter 1. Now, what we're going to do over the next five weeks, so there's five chapters, what we're going to do over the next five weeks is myself and four other communicators, we're going to, uh, actually, three other communicators, because I do the last one, we're going to talk about John chapter 1, 2, 3, and five. But what we're going to do in this series is a little bit different to what other books uh, that I've done in the past. What we're going to do, it's kind of like a thematic series. So if I've got a theme, a major theme in chapter one, I'm going to talk about that. Uh, And Warren's doing chapter two. And if he's got a theme, he's going to talk in that. Now, if there's a tiny bit of crossover, that's okay, right? Uh, And so today, for example, I'm talking about one major theme, But in that theme, it crosses over a little bit into chapter 2 right at the beginning. So it's not going to be exact, it's going to be more thematic, so uh, what uh, John is actually talking about. And I was trying to think about how I would explain this. This next five weeks is kind of like a movie about real life. You know when a real, a a true event happens and then Hollywood does their version of it? It is like, okay, the difference between what we're doing is it's going to be fully truth, Uh, but um, it's the, the, the key factors. It's the main points. It's the, it's the big picture idea. We're in, does anyone remember the James series I did at the start of the year? Whereas that's more like a documentary. That's like, hey, this happened here, this person, this is what happened here, all of the details. So there's a little bit of a difference. But uh, before the end of the year, I think it's in November, um, I'm going to be doing another series on Philippians, which is going to be just like the James series. So very exegetical, week by week, very uh, deep. Uh, and all that sort of stuff, and you can take some stuff home and read along and all of those sorts of things. But for now, we're doing First uh, John. So a few things about First John, facts and info. First um, John is an interesting book. You know, if you've ever read the Gospels, uh, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then there's John. And the, the Gospel of John is just a little bit different. Everything is just a little bit out there, a but done differently. He doesn't sort of abide by the gospel writing rules. Um, and there's a few interesting things. So the first thing is, is the author. So the author of First John is uh, definitely believed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's almost for certain that it is the author of the gospel of John, almost for sure, almost. Not everybody agrees. So the person who wrote the gospel of John they're pretty sure wrote 1 John and obviously 2 John and 3 John. But they're also pretty sure that he wrote Revelation as well. Now, where there might be a little bit of mix-up is they're not convinced, theologians and, and historians are not convinced, some people are in different camps, that the John who wrote the book of John and 1 John and maybe Revelations is actually the disciple 
John. They're not sure. A lot of people say he's not. They think he might be John the Elder, which is mentioned in the book of Acts. So there's a few different ideas. But what we do know is whoever wrote this book, whoever wrote 1 John, was definitely around Jesus. Because he says in his first opening lines, hey, I, was, I saw, I was there. And he takes, I think, four verses to get that point across. So we know he was there. So he could have been a disciple, but we also know that there wasn't just 12 people. There were 70, there was 120, there were, there were other people around. And we know that this guy, John the Elder, was there as well. Now, uh, the John who's writing this book is writing it in his old age. They believe it's one of the oldest New Testament books from when the events happened. Um, so it was many years later, he was a lot older. And it's a bit different. The reason it's different is most of the New Testament uh, letters have a beginning, a middle, they have some ideas that you should take home, uh, and then has a conclusion uh, and says, hey, I'm writing to the church of Ephesus, so I'm writing to the church of Corinth. And it's really clear, it's like this, 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 and this. And the, and, and the Jewish writers loved, this is this, this is here, this is here. And then John comes in with his wavy, flamboyant hands and talks about this, then he talks about this, then he talks over here, and he's all over the place, it's seemingly. He's got a bit of a theme that runs through. But um, I was reading some commentaries, some people who have written about 1 John, and they were saying things like, this is the hardest book in the whole Bible for us to categorize. Because he's just like, over here, over here, over here, over here. It's like when I've had too much coffee and Hannah's just like trying to have a conversation with me. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I was talking to my uh, father-in-law last night and he was saying, it's almost like he was writing it down, like just while his carriage was like turning up. And he's like, right, I got to that point. Oh, that, yeah, that's got to be said. This has got to be said. And then it was off and it was gone. Um, really, really great letter. This is why we've chosen it. But it doesn't have this beautiful woven together kind of structure. Do we understand? It's a little bit different. Uh, the other thing is the Gospel of John is written, so the Gospel, not First John, but it's written to persuade non-Christians to believe in Jesus, to find eternal life in his name. But the first letter of John, what we're doing, is written so that those who believe in Jesus would know that they have indeed found life in him. So it's a little bit of a, hey, this is exactly, this, this is what's happened, this is why it's happened, and I just want to reaffirm, I want to do, and complete joy is what John says. In First John, he said, I want you to find complete joy in your faith. So the whole structure of First John is to reaffirm who Jesus is. Uh, no other book of the Bible talks about love as often as First John. About one in every 50 words is a form of the love word, agape or others. That makes up about 52 mentions of love in just five short chapters. I was picturing John, and I love this idea of this elderly man who had been with Jesus, lived his whole life as, as a follower of Jesus in that setting, when it was brand new, seeing everything, and his last kind of hurrah, if you will, is all about love. It's all about including. It's all about what Jesus did for you, the love that he had for you, but also the love that we have for others. This beautiful old man who's been through the ringer, been through everything, sitting there, and he's just talking about love the whole way through. Does that, is that not an important theme? Is, isn't that interesting that, that this is the book that mentions love more than anything else? This older, older man just saying, you know what? Everything else, 
Yep, sure. But love is so important. Okay, a bit of content warning. Don't worry, it's not like R16 or anything. What a lot about um, this book talks about is a word that sometimes people get uncomfortable about talking about. Anyone want to have a stab in the dark? I heard it. Someone say it. So people get uncomfortable about talking about sin. My hope is that you get less uncomfortable about talking about sin and more comfortable about revealing that in our lives to God, getting God involved in the process of sorting stuff out, uh, and the need for Jesus when it comes to sin. Um, John himself says this in uh, uh, verse 10 of chapter 1. He says, If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So what he's saying is everybody sins. And I'm going to talk about why that verse is really interesting later on, but it's really important for us to recognize and acknowledge that uh, sin is a part of our lives. Either we still sin and we've got issues, or you have been a sinner. Okay, so a lot of uh, conversation about sin is going to come up through this because that's what it's written about. I really love it when you talk about um, really awkward things, but you get to do it through the Word. Because someone comes up to you and is like, oh, that made me uncomfortable. And be like, yep, talk to John. <laughs> talk, to, uh, talk to Paul about that, because these are his words. Talk to Jesus about that. These are his words. So this is straight Scripture, but there is some stuff about what sin is uh, and how we can deal with sin. I love that. That it's not just talking about sin. John is very clear about how you can repent from sin, how you can come into light with God, and all these things. All right. Chapter 1, verse 1. If you've got your Bibles or you've got your apps, feel free to follow along. I'm just doing NIV, um, and I'll also do it up here. Now, what I want to do is just let you know that this first one, uh, sorry, verse 1 to 4, is a bit of an intro. It's a little bit wordy. Again, John does whatever John wants to do, and he writes a bit interestingly. Uh, but let's go through with it now. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at our hands and have touched, this we proclaim, the concerning the word of life. That's Jesus. Verse 2. The life appeared, Jesus. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, that is Jesus, which was with the Father and has appeared to us, verse 3. So we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this, you, write this to you to make our joy complete. Essentially, what John is saying in the first four verses is, I was there. I, in the court of law, can be a credible witness. I've seen him, heard him, ate with him, spoke with him. I've seen the power of Jesus over many years, and Jesus is the truth. That's all he's saying. He starts there. Cool? So we're going to now kick off, really, into the meat of things in verse 5. A couple of things before we do that. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. I know we're going to go straight into it, and we'll talk about that backwards. God! is light. Can we say that again? God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Verse 6, we're going to come back and pull this apart a little bit, but let's just read it for the sake of reading. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That word fellowship is interesting to unpack just for a second. Fellowship is koinona. And what it basically means is koinona is this intimacy between individuals. But it's actually bigger than that too. Because koinona is an action. It's always included in its meaning. Fellowship, you see, is not just about being together, but it's about doing together. When you're in fellowship, you're doing things together. You're eating together. You're talking together. You are hanging out together. There is a togetherness about this word koinona. A fellowship was actually an interesting fact. was never used to describe man's relationship to God before the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's an exclusively post-Pentecostal statement, which is interesting. Okay, verse 5. This is the message we have. We've heard from him to clear darkness and light. I think a lot of us, if you've been a Christian for, I know that this whole room is filled with people who have been Christians for a long time. But it's also filled with people who've gone to church for a long time. It's also filled with people who are seeking and trying to find out about this Jesus thing, about church. And I understand and I respect that there's a whole group of us. So my encouragement is if you, no matter what camp you are in, it's important for us to be looking at the Scripture If you're here and you know this whole idea of darkness and light, I want to encourage you to maybe learn the scripture, to to really realize what's actually happening here. Because darkness, you might hear this, oh, you know, there's darkness and then there's light. My job this morning, I hope, is to try and better explain what is darkness, what does that mean, and what does walking in light mean? And can you be walking in light and sometimes make mistakes? And sin? Are you then not in the darkness? How, how does that work? So for those of us who have been on this journey for a long time, I want to kind of unpack some of those ideas. But for others of us who don't really understand this whole darkness and light thing, I hope that you look at it and see really clearly that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the light. The way to the Father is through him. There is a world of darkness and destruction, and God wants to illuminate your path through life with his goodness, his graces. So there's a couple of things going on. So what is darkness? Darkness, we have to understand the old, um, the old viewpoint. When I say imagine darkness here in Rolleston in 2020, imagine nighttime. In a practical sense, you're like, well, I've got to put my lights on. I've got to switch my lights on. If I'm driving my car, I'd flick them on in my house. That really wasn't the case in first century Israel. And in fact, all over ancient Judea and um, northern Africa and all of those areas and some of those Arabian states, that wasn't the case, right? We're talking thousands of years ago, 2,000 years ago in this case. Light was life. Darkness was the opposite. If you were roaming around the desert or roaming around the wilderness or roaming around the fields... You know, there were actual lions and predators. It was a dangerous place. If you broke your leg in first century Israel, you might die if you didn't have people who were willing to look after you. You could injure yourself and die later. You could get infected and die later. Darkness, walking around in the darkness, this whole idea of darkness back then was a danger. You could get robbed. You could get 
um, you know, all sorts of things could happen. You could be, uh, like your home could be invaded, all these sorts of things. So darkness, you have to understand the context, represented death. It was not a good place. It was not a good thing. So when they're talking about darkness, there's this immediate understanding that darkness equals bad. It doesn't really equal bad for us. But darkness is, uh, can be really, really uh, tough. Now, here's the thing about darkness. Have you ever noticed that when you're in the dark, you slowly start to get quite accustomed to it? Because you know I'm about to talk about light. And you know that I'm going to say light's better than darkness. But I think many of us here live in darkness in areas of our lives, at least, if not completely. But we're just kind of willing to put up with it. Now, coming from someone who's been legally blind, I can tell you, you can do quite a lot in the dark. I'll tell you what you can't do, is two weeks ago decide you're going to go running at night time, and your wife decides to move the wheelie bin. And I didn't see it. Winded myself, fell over the wheelie bin, and I was pretty hurt, and, and not emotionally hurt, well, a little bit, because something happens right after this. And so I go inside, you know, waiting for my wife to scoop me up and look after me, and I told her I ran into the wheelie bin, and you know what she did? She laughed. Uh, and so, you know, you can get used to things. I, I remember a few, uh, sorry, it was uh, four years ago, um, I had one really good eye. It was doing its, well, it wasn't really good. It was only 27% vision, but that's okay. It was really good when your other one's not working completely. 27% is like 100%. Okay, so I had one eye, and uh, it was working okay. My other eye had had surgery on, stitches and everything, uh, but I could see some color. I could see some shape, but that was about it. I could not recognize a face until I was basically on your face. It just, I couldn't see it. It was, I, I was only really listening to voices if I had covered my left eye. Then, you know, I'm getting surgery, the stitches are getting removed, that's great, and my left eye felt left out, get it, um, of this whole thing. I was like, I want to blow up as well. And so it exploded and did what it did. And then I was left with no vision. So that 27% gone, and I was, all my vision was now just the light and the glare and I was rendered completely blind. So I lost my job, I lost my driver's license, all that sort of stuff, uh, and had to kind of relearn how to do everything, including, um, but I was, I'm quite a stubborn person, if you haven't picked that up. So I had burns on my forehead, um, and people were like, how on earth did you get burns on your forehead? Well, it's when you can't see water in a, in a cup, um, and you're trying to make coffees, and so you don't want the water to overflow, so you get the jug really close so you can see, and then I had like six burn marks all on the right-hand side of my forehead, which again, my wife thought was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and she offered to help, but I was like, I can do it! Ah! What happened? Nothing, nothing. There's burn marks on my forehead. So darkness, you can get used to darkness, which isn't awesome. And I think there are some of us who are completely in the darkness. You don't know the light. You don't know what uh, the light really can do for you. And then there are some of us who have got areas of darkness in our lives. Addictions, secret stuff, anger, other things, areas where we just have not let the light shine on it. Can I have the lights? People do their thing, please. Awesome. Thank you, team. Look at that awesome team. I'm going to turn the lights off. Turn to the person next to you. If you're afraid of the dark, hold their hand right now. 
and say, everything is going to be... Could someone turn off the sun? That'd be great. <laughs> okay, we got sort of there. I can, if I can see you, you can see each other. You're going to be okay. Light stands out. That's where you all went, ooh, wow. Now, when I imagine this in my head, you couldn't see me right now. <laughs> the problem is you're all looking at me and you can see me. That's all right, best laid plans, that's fine. Light is powerful. Do you know what light does? Well, now I can't see you. Light illuminates a person. In the old, uh, in the old world, before electricity, light was safety, Light was warmth, light was protection, light was a a source of food, light was uh, everything that darkness wasn't, right? Everything that darkness wasn't. Light meant life. And everybody knew that. When they read about darkness, they knew the opposite was life. So what is light? Light is a life source. It is the pure thing that creates life. Uh, you know, without the sun, I read it somewhere that if we didn't have the sun, we've probably got science teachers in here, if we didn't have the sun, within a few weeks, things would just, everything would just start dying off, uh, and ourselves included at some point. We need natural light. And here's the thing about lightness. In John 8, 12, so the Gospel of John, same author, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. So some of us, in fact, many of us, you know, uh, in fact, all of us, I guess, have had a season in our life where we're no longer in the light. We weren't in the light. Maybe you grew up. Maybe you got saved. Or right now you're here and you find yourself here and you're like, I don't know this church thing. And you can kind of see the light but you're not in the light. And we're going to talk about that light. You know how it said, if you're not in the light, you are a liar? And I was trying to think about that. How, what does that mean? And guess, here's the thing, because it says, when you're walking in the light, here I am in the light. This is me following what God has asked me to do. Darkness is there. Darkness is around. Yeah, for sure. But my path is illuminated. But what's standing out in this room right now? Anyone want to answer? Am I standing out? Am I fairly obvious to see? I think that's what Jesus said when you are like a light on, the, on a hill. You, when you are walking in the light, you stand out. I remember a few years ago, I was talking to my cousin, complete atheist, and we were just talking about some direct forms of evangelism. Do you know what he said to me? He said, I've met Christians. He says, the ones that make me question faith the most are not the ones who, you know, Bible bash me necessarily. He says, the ones that I can see that they are different to everybody else I've ever encountered. What he's saying there, he hasn't got the right language, but he's saying they stand out. These people that are in their space, in my space, there's something about them that I want to be like, be around. And he says, there is this idea of uh, they stand out and, and that's powerful. Now, here's the thing. Many of us in church, we go, we're over here and we go, I can see the light. Yep, I'm in the light. Well, no, you can, you, you can see the light. You can, you, you, can ex- you can see that God does awesome and powerful things in people's lives. Yeah, you can, you can see people touched by, by Jesus. A little uncomfortable? Hmm. Who's brave? 
Who's been in that space? I have. Not a part of this. I can see the light, but I'm not in the light. Maybe you're not aware. But here's the cool thing. What I've found, and I haven't given Elliot instruction to do this, but he'll figure it out. When you, he's like, <laughs> under pressure. What happens when you say, God, I'm lost. I'm in this. This is the jungle of darkness. God, I'm lost. I need your help. Is he saying, I'm over here. Come and find me. There is times when we've got to go back into it, but do you know what he does? I got emotional then. It's one of those days. (laughs) He will come find you. So if you haven't heard that before, I want to say that Jesus will shine the light on you. All you've got to do is call on him. Call on him and he will illuminate your path. Safety, protection, uh, um, all of those good things. Now here's the interesting thing. If I'm walking in life, look what happens. (coughs) Hint, Elliot. (coughs) Really? Oh, look, it's following me. Or am I following it? Ooh, there's a deep philosophical question for you. (laughs) We can have the lights back on, please. Leave those on because otherwise you won't be able to see me. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're just looking at the light from afar. I don't know if you've seen other people standing in the light. I don't know if there's areas of your life where you're hiding in the jungle of darkness. That's not a scriptural, don't look for that. That's just my own interpretation. But you're hiding some stuff. Do you know what's actually really helpful? Is just calling Jesus into that area. You don't have to have it all figured out, but just simply asking God, please help me. Please shine the light on this situation. So verse 5 and 7, there's a couple of things. When we walk in the light, we're bringing light into the darkness, like I talked about. Uh, And if we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie, and we do not live out the truth. Here's the interesting thing. It's talking about living out the truth. I'd also like to talk a bit about, like, if you sin, right? If you sin as a Christian, what happens? And to use this analogy, I kind of want to talk about shadows, because what is a shadow? Shadow is simply an object between you and a light source. Let's call this Jesus. And there's something that gets in my way. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's distraction. And it causes a bit of, you can see that over there. There's a wee bit of shadow. Now, I don't think if you sin necessarily, you're in the darkness, but there is shadow that is on your life. And I think the difference is, is that shadows, as long as we turn to Jesus and we ask for repentance and we're, we're always following after the light and asking the light to shine on us, there's a difference between that and this where darkness is a complete absence of light. Do you know someone who is walking in a complete absence of light? There's a bit of a difference between that and someone who's working, you know, walking right now and there's shadows, there's an object in between them. So I want to encourage you, if you're reading this and going, oh my gosh, I have real anger against my neighbors, Karen and Horatio. Um, That doesn't mean that you are living in sin and that you're a liar and all those things. It means there's stuff you've got to work on like all of us, but it's an object between you and the light, which you just need to have removed. You need to ask God for that to be removed. Let's go into verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The last piece in chapter 1. And if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. That is some strong language. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unforgiveness. There's always a way back. Who do you think wants you to think that you've sinned too much? That you have gone too far? That your thinking process is too wrong? That you have made too many mistakes? Who wants you to think like that? Certainly isn't Jesus. Certainly isn't what we read in Scripture. He's literally saying that you can turn from sin. You can turn towards the light. Man, I, 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 I'm not sure why, but as some of you know, I, I used to work with at-risk Maori and Pacific Island cultures uh, in, in Hamilton, and it seemed to be a really big thing in those cultures. It's like, man, I really want to get my life right with God, but I've got to get my life right first. I've got to stop the drugs and alcohol. I've got to get out of the gang. I've got to do this. And I was like, nah, nah, nah. God wants you, you don't have to get yourself out of the jungle first. Ask the light on to you. Call the light, this, this, this lighthouse, Te Whare Marama, the lighthouse into your life that will shine out, will find you. But there was this sort of incorrect theology around, oh no, I can't. I've got to get my life sorted. Darkness cannot stay when you're facing the light. It might be there for a time, but when you're facing the light, it's gone. If you've got darkness in an area in your life, just keep going to Jesus about it. Keep going to Jesus. I encourage you to do so. It might be time and time and time again. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. That's interesting. He's saying that if, you, if, you, if you're saying, I'm not a sinner, uh, I've never made a mistake, I'm perfect and you're wrong. What is he saying? He said, he's saying that you're a liar. And I'd like to go as far as to say, if we, deny this, if we deny sin, we're actually denying the need for the solution to sin. What is, who is the solution to sin? It's Jesus. So we do accept that, yes, we make mistakes, and maybe we sin, or we have been a sinner. I should have done this. How many times have you seen people, say the light was on, and there's someone in the light, and they're like, see that? Look at that, everyone. Horatio, look. Horatio's not in the light. He's over there. Hey, everyone, look. Hey, look, look. Horatio's over there. Look at him. Who else is no longer in the light? Ooh, burn. Not looking at anyone in particular. (laughs) Right? Chasing after, pointing out the sin in someone else. Look at them. You've actually moved away from what God's calling you to do. In doing so, oh, the hypocrisy. <laughs> hey, uh, 1 John chapter 2. <gasps> I'm touching your chapter, Warren. <laughs> uh, he just finishes this idea off and he says, My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father that is Christ Jesus, the righteous one. We are not righteous, but it's only through Jesus. If you're here and you're in the beginning of that journey, you need to know and understand that today. It's through Jesus. He is the atoning sacrifice, an Old Testament uh, word there for our sins, and not only for ours, but for also for the sins of the whole world. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Remember that. Look at that. 
He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I don't know about you, but i got a mother that doesn't know Jesus. And I hold on to that verse. i got a dad, i got a sister who don't know Jesus. I'm holding on to that verse. I want to shine in the darkness for them. This is an awesome verse for us to hold on to. Sorry, it's one of those days. <laughs> hey, uh, five little nuggets, just little things that, um, just recap points that he's already said. These are not mine. I'm just re- rewording them of John uh, if you want to take these down. And then I've got one kind of big overall theme to take away, which is just a paraphrasing of his words because it's not me, it's him. Number one, God is the source of life, light. He is the source. Could I have... Um, Caroline, would you better come up, please? That'd be awesome. So he is uh, the source of light. God is the source of life. Again, if you don't know that, I want you to know that, that God loves you, died for you, and he wants the best for you. Point number two, a life dedicated to Christ is illuminated by Christ. Right? Talking about fruit. Like, did I stand out in this space? I hope so. I hope I stood out more than, say, Elliot, who was behind the light. You know, you, you would have seen me. So there is a bit of fruit to living a life that's illuminated by Christ. A life dedicated to Christ every day. I'm not perfect, God. Maybe I found myself in my anger over here, but I'm coming back to you, Jesus. Shine that light into my area of my life. Number three, darkness is not a shadow. I don't want you to feel condemned. Go to Jesus every time. But I don't want people to come away going, oh man, I yelled at my son when I was playing Mario Kart. I'm in the darkness. There's a little shadow maybe you need to work out. Anyone ever yelled at anyone playing Mario Kart? Just me. Great. Thanks. (laughs) Number four, we deny Christ's perfection by claiming our own perfection. We say, I'm perfect. Well, here's the thing. If you're perfect, that means that Jesus didn't need to come. (laughs) That's a big sacrifice that you are denying. And point number five, we have faith in his forgiveness. So five little points. We have faith that He can forgive, that He can search us out. And no matter how much crud or crap you've been through in your life, He loves you, He's for you, He's with you, He is for you. And He can see you. He knows your name. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus sees you, He knows you by name. What's the point? What's the point of this? What's the big point? It's a foundation statement, chapter 1. It's about laying down the truth for what's coming next in John's letters, which Warren and Pastor Mike and Pastor Lyndon and myself are going to unpack over the next few weeks. And what is this big thing, this this foundation that he's saying? Really simple. It's not rocket science. Jesus is light. Walk in that light. And darkness is death. Don't just look at the light from afar. First step, ask for the light to be on you. Walk towards the light, a life living for Jesus. Can I have the worship team up? And could we stand, please? Thank you. You know, um, it's great to do these things, but there needs to be an action. There needs to be something applicable. So I've got a few questions for you. I'm not going to ask you to do too much today. I'm just going to ask you some questions. You're walking in the light. Just as the worship team start and get, get, kind of get going, could you ask yourself that question? Is there an area that you need light in your life around? Why don't you just close your eyes right now, bow your head, and ask 
the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this room. We, we, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be speaking to us in a nudge, in a thought, in a picture, in a Bible verse. Is this something I could do, Lord? Is there an area that I'm not identified? Is there an area that I've hidden from you for so long I've even forgotten about it? Just ask the Holy Spirit that. If you've not done that before, just ask. Guess what? Create the world. He can hear your thoughts. Just ask Him in your mind. Is there darkness in my life? That's the second question. And then the third question is, how can I be light in the darkness? Ask yourself that. How can I be light in the darkness, God? Give me some practical inspiration and help, Jesus, to be the lit person. (laughs) To be lit, Lord, for you. To be illuminated in the darkness. In my words and in my thinking, speak to us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. We're going to start song in a second, and I just want to pray for you. I just want to declare a blessing over you. Lord, if there is anything that we are hiding from you, Jesus, we pray that you you would speak to us about it. You would speak to us, and we would be willing to hear, willing to change. Lord, I pray that some of our mindsets for others who are in the darkness would change. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, worship team.